Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Thank you for joining us. I'm here with the prosecutors and investigators who have worked diligently on the investigation of criminal attempts to interfere in the administration of Georgia's 2020 presidential election. Today, based on information developed by that investigation, a Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment, charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. Specifically, the indictment brings felony charges against Donald John Trump, Rudolph William Louis Giuliani, John Charles Eastman, Mark Randall Meadows. You get the idea. Um, look, I, I was actually going to break down this entire case for you. In fact, all of the charges against Trump. And I decided not to, because as I was looking into it, I was just like, they're all basically the same thing. As far as I'm concerned, they're all bullshit. Just being straight up with you. I don't, I see nothing there. Particularly when you already have the fact that you had an alternative uh, slate of delegates that were proposed by the Democrats in 2016 when Trump won. It's the exact same story as it has been for years now, that everything they're guilty of, they accuse their opponent of doing. So why, why should I, why should I waste your time breaking down every single stupid charge that is ultimately politicized to the highest degree? So, so politicized, it's not even worth mentioning it to you. But I will talk about the broader picture here because that matters a lot. Um, if you haven't figured it out by now, I am quite convinced that this is ultimately a nothing burger that Trump will in fact probably be convicted of because uh, as we've seen with the sexual assault case that was brought against him, even though there was no evidence presented whatsoever aside from the testimony uh, from the alleged victim and he and he was, uh, you know, found liable or whatever, whatever the technical term was, um, for slander, <laughs> for slander, for saying he didn't do it. Uh, I mean the, the justice, look, let me, let me preface this with the, the standard disclaimer. Didn't ever vote for Trump, not a Trump supporter. Okay. So let's set that aside. And now let me say this. I don't think Trump's done anything wrong <laughs> in any of this stuff. And the precedent of having politicians that are under constant prosecutorial attack, if they oppose in any form or fashion, the establishment is horrifying. And I believe that it is a, a very fast, it's a fast pass to real dangerous times in this country, real dangerous times. And that's the main reason I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, in fact, I, I tweeted out yesterday and this kind of gives a summary of where I'm at. 
I said, if you can't contest an election, then you don't really have elections. You have state-sanctioned selection committees. If the number one presidential contender is to be indicted so as to remove him from a future election because he questioned a prior election, you can't do so under the pretense of defending democracy because your very actions have eliminated any semblance of a democracy. You can't claim to be administering justice via injustice. We all know what you're doing. It's a power play. Fully weaponized political prosecutions to consolidate power. You can't back off the gas because to do so would lead to political and prosecutorial reprisals. So, in order to save yourselves, you're willing to destroy America. I know you think you're clever and you think we're dumb, but we know exactly what you're doing. I just thought you should know. We know. And uh, I believe, I mean every word of that. I think that's exactly where we're at in empire decline. That they have essentially decided that all of the corruption is so deep-rooted and they're all so guilty that they don't have a choice to back off even though they have nothing on Trump. So they're just going to leverage and use all of their control vectors that they still have under their control, which is the judiciary to a large extent, aside from the Supreme Court, um, and then the media. And they're just going to blast us with lies and deception and hope that that's enough to ultimately convict and get Trump thrown off of the ballot in key states that he will need if he is to win the election. That's my honest assessment. So my belief is that Trump will go to jail. I don't know for sure. This It's like a 55 or 60% bet. I'm not saying it's, it's a slam dunk, but I just don't see any way that he's not convicted by some of these juries, given the jurisdictions that the this stuff is being litigated in. Tell me I'm wrong. I think he's going to go to jail. And if he does, and he's bogged down with constant court hearings, as he will be for the next year, can he campaign genuinely? Can he do it to the level that's necessary to try and win a presidential campaign? Not sure. Will the pressure be so daunting that he ultimately says, this isn't worth it. I, I will accept, you know, basically make a, a behind the, the curtain deal where he says, look, you guys back off. I'll get out of politics. Just let me go back to my life. And then <clears throat> Joe Biden offers a pardon or, or whatever. Not, it's not outside their own possibility. It's not. My personal opinion, I think that it's more probable that they are not interested in negotiating with him, that they want to send a message to us, to everybody else out there that either supports him or just doesn't like them, that they will end you if you cross them, if you challenge them. And he has. For whatever reason, they, they believe very deeply that this guy is an existential threat. And more importantly, I think that they feel that his supporters and this kind of populist energy that he awoken, that is the threat that they are trying to squash. And they're doing a pretty good job of it at this point. So that's my fear. And, you know, a lot of people have des described this as communist revolution uh, type of stuff or Cultural revolution has, I've actually talked about that a lot in the past, and I think that is partially what we're living through. Um, but I really think it's just, it's banana republic level stuff. It really is. Like, uh, if you want to 
not even go the hyperbolic route. I like I genuinely think this is this is Banana Republic stuff. And then you have Trump that comes out today and he says once he wins the election, he intends to uh, go after the Biden crime family and he's going to take them down because they've made 20 million dollars, Burisma, yada, yada, yada. Now, I think his claims are far more legitimate, but it doesn't change the fact that this this precedent where you now have two two warring, genuinely warring political parties. I mean, I shouldn't say parties. You have the Trump MAGA movement and the Democrat GOP uniparty that are at war with one another. That's my view of it. Because the vast majority of GOPers, if they're being totally honest, uh, and I'm talking the politicians, not the voters, they're very content with seeing Trump go away. And I don't think they much care what happens to him. And I don't think they much care about the populist energy that he awoken because they want to get back to business as usual where they get to just cash checks and be corrupt pieces of shit. That's my thought. But there is a massive clash that's occurring between the MAGA movement thing, including Trump, versus the Uniparty. And they want to absolutely end that process. They want to end it now. Because if it if it gains steam, which keep in mind, that all of their actions are adding fuel to that populist energy. They are making the Oliver Anthony songs of the world become anthems. And uh, I received a ton of DMs from people after my, my episode a couple days ago about that song. And these were from people that were in Argentina and other other Latin countries or other countries all over the world, actually, that they were telling me the first thing they saw before revolution was protest music. Like that is always the precursor. And they and I'm not exaggerating. I, I saw this from many people in many different countries. And they said, you guys are in for it. That's what that's their take based off of their experience. I'm going to take them seriously. I don't know if it's true, but I'm going to take them seriously. That having these kind of populist anthem tracks that become kind of rallying cries for the dissidents in your nation, I think is it's it's logical that that's a precursor for uh, real tumult in the not too distant future, to put it mildly. So I think that's where we're headed. And as I was saying, you know, Trump has now come out and said, once he gets in the presidency, he's going to go after the Biden crime family. So wherever you fall on this, whoever you think is ultimately guilty or innocent, or if you think all of them are guilty, fine. Just, just consider what that means. It means that you now live in a country where whoever wins the election then utilizes the judiciary to try and jail their opponent who lost. Are you, are you prepared to live in a country like that? There's lots of countries all over the planet that have been that way for a very long time. America had not been one of them. It is now. And I don't know how you put that genie back in the bottle. I don't. I don't know how you turn that clock back. It's like, it's out. This is, this is how we exist now. And it is not a coexistence. It is a antagonistic vicious approach to an attempt to coexist with one another, which means you can't, which means you're at odds with one another, which means that the, the claws are out and you are just constantly gnashing at each other's necks and faces. <laughs> and that's, that's scary as hell. That's scary as hell.
that that's where we're at now. And it's to me, it's just sad because it's over Trump of all people, a guy who ultimately didn't do any of the things that I really wanted to see him do. So I'm disappointed. <laughs> like if it was going to happen, I would have rather seen, you know, Ron Paul tries to end the FBI and the Federal Reserve. And they're like, now we're at odds with one another. Now the clash is happening because we have like true a liberty, uh, you know, scion who's leading us into the fight versus the old establishment corrupt monsters. That's not what this is. Trump's not as bad as the deep state. He's not. But he also ain't Ron Paul. Not even close. So we don't really have a side from my vantage point. I don't feel like we have a side. I mean, maybe you do. I'm sure I'm sure many of you watching are like, I'm on Trump's side. God damn it. That's fine. I wish he was as good as you guys believe he is. Um, but yeah, it concerns me. It concerns me that, that this is going to be our future. And, and I'm just trying to really process and, and think about what this means. We're really in uncharted territory in American history. I don't think we've ever seen this. So I know we've had like congressmen and stuff that have ran from office while jailed. And well, I'll, I'll just shorten it and say, we definitely haven't anything, haven't had anything this crazy or paradigm shifting since the civil war. And that, anytime you have to go that far back and say, it hasn't been this crazy since America was actually in the bloodiest civil war in human history up until that point. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing when that's the comparison you have to make. And it's a totally legit comparison to make at this point. 70 plus million people ride or die with Donald Trump. That's how they feel about this guy. What are you going to do? You're going to jail all of them? I mean, it seems as if that's your plan. And if that is your plan, well, it's going to get real spicy real quick. And I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm super concerned. Uh, you know, Phil Labonte put out this tweet a couple, uh, like 10 days ago. It says, to call this document a threat to most Americans is not an overstatement. And this is from DHS. Says the DHS Office of Intelligence and Analysis right-wing extremism report March of 2009 with supplementary domestic extremism lexicon classifies individuals as extremists if they identify or are identified with one or more of the following. Now, <laughs> strap in because uh, I think you'll find many of us fall under <laughs> most, if not all of these categories, military veterans. Anti-war individuals or groups, tax resistance movements, militias, alternative media. I got to read this one since that's specifically me. Uh, alternative media, which provide interpretations of events and issues that differ radically from those presented in mass media outlets. Oops. Oh, you should have put a picture of me there. Continuing on. Opponents of open border policies. I guess I would be one of those because open borders at this junction seems like a suicide mission. Uh, single issue groups or individuals who focus on a single issue or cause such as animal rights, environmental or anti-abortion. I guess I'm none of those. Well, single issue would be ending the Fed maybe. And then Patriot Movement. Um, frequent references to the Constitution, 
support of third-party candidates, <laughs> support of an audit of the Federal Reserve, opposition to a carbon tax to be paid to a World Bank, opposition to U.S. submission to the United Nations and or the WHO. Oh, check, 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 check. Oh, my God, dude. All right. So how many did you check off before... <laughs> you were considered a right-wing extremist. How many? Be honest. You know, I think I'm like, I'm not two of those. I'm not a military veteran and I'm not a member of a militia. So please leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, it's so crazy. I don't know. I don't, like, <laughs> sorry. I'm just like, I don't even know, I don't even know what to think about this. It's so dramatic. It's so dramatic. And I try to just keep a, like a, a level head about it. Like what? All right. This all seems horrible. Am I overreacting? I don't think I am. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think I am. And that scares the shit out of me. In some, in some ways, I feel like I'm underreacting, which is almost even more concerning. I'm like, oh, I'm not being uh, cautious enough about what this means for America broadly. But that's what it seems to me. It seems to be that perilous that like, all right, so let's just let's just thought experiment this, right? Trump gets convicted on two thirds of the charges. He's facing the rest of his life in prison. He's put in there. He's put in jail. Just just in the lead up to the actual general election. Um, he probably will have already won the, the uh, primary for the GOP. So I think he'll be on the ballot. But he, he loses. Because the election, they reinforce the election once again. And he loses. You now have... 70 plus, maybe more million people in this country that don't believe the results of that election. Because just for the record, no one in this country for the foreseeable future is going to believe the results of any election. That's that's where we're at now. If the GOP wins, the Democrats won't believe it because they didn't believe it when it came to Trump in 2016. They thought the Russians stole it, remember? Well, you already know where the Q and the MAGA folks are at with it. They don't believe the elections. Wherever you fall on the legitimacy of these claims is kind of irrelevant. Both sides have very much stated and committed to the fact that if they lose, it's illegitimate. That's where we're at. So set aside your opinion about it. Just fucking face the reality of it. That's where we're at. No one believes the, the outcome of these elections anymore. Okay. So what the fuck do you do then? If you believe that your God, Donald Trump, is in prison and also you don't have a democratic uh, you know, pathway to recourse, what do they do? My hope, I think the best, most peaceful possible response to that is to funnel that energy towards peaceful secession movements or increasing states' rights at a minimum, you know, 10th Amendment type of stuff. On the inverse of that, civil war and all sorts of violence is possible. Right? I mean, it's obviously possible at this point. And I know a lot of people will think to themselves, well, they, that didn't happen during lockdown, so it can't happen this go around. I don't think you're right about that. 
because I was at uh, Turning Point in, I forget the name of the town. It's like an hour from me, um, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, Don Jr. and all these people were there. Vivek was there. And I just remember the energy around Trump is like, it's like nothing that you've ever seen, really, at least maybe since Obama. Like, it's it's a true cult of personality fanfare for this guy. And as much as I think the, the right wing didn't like lockdowns, it, it still doesn't rise to the level of attacking their, their god, their leader. So if they perceive that injustice has been carried out, that Donald Trump has been put behind bars for things that the Democrats clearly did themselves, and they also don't believe the outcome of the election, and they also no longer believe in the judiciary. What do they do? I mean, it's just, it's really important that we consider these things, right? Not even to fear monger, but just to like game plan. Like, what do you do if you actually have violence that explodes in this country? I don't know. I don't have the answer for you, unfortunately. I think that it's obviously important that you prepare and that you try and have, you know, a bug out bag, as they say, um, or expatriation options, or at least dual passports so that you aren't trapped. I mean, then you throw in the extra spice of the potential for World War III, which it seems at this particular junction, the temperature has dropped a little bit. And I'm hoping that that means that they are going to start to withdraw and wind down that war. Um, at least withdraw American support and kind of start to negotiate behind the scenes, which they should have been doing forever. Instead of blowing up peace treaties, they should have actually been, you know, creating peace because they had the leverage certainly to assist in that process and they used all of their powers to counter it. Well, just say for whatever reason, that doesn't become the ultimate outcome there. And World War Three explodes. So you have an election that no one believes in, and you also have World War III with a draft. Like, look, I don't even want to put that thought into the world because it's just such a horrific potential future, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. So I just want to have it on the table as potential futures that we have to deal with, right? My hope is that, look, RFK Jr., uh, was on Tucker Carlson yesterday, and it was incredible. It's an 80-minute long interview. I would encourage you guys all to go watch it if you haven't already. It's uh, I can't even I can't even believe how honest he <laughs> he was about everything. Um, but there's this one particular clip in it that is just amazing, and uh, I tweeted it out early this morning after I had finished watching it. So. I'm going to play it for you guys just because I think it's it's so important and I hope that I'm allowed to play it without getting in trouble. We'll find out. Um, but here we go. People who got us in the Iraq war. I know. Look at what happened. Let, let's just let me go through what happened in Iraq. Just for you know, give me one minute to summarize the you know, we were tricked into Iraq by the neocons who told us that Saddam had something to do with the World Trade Center, which was a lie that he had planted the anthrax attacks that came five days after the World Trade Center, which was a lie that turned out to be, uh, you know, the, the intelligence agencies and the U.S. military at Fort Detroit. That anthrax, the FBI found, 
came from Fort Detrick. So it was somebody in the U.S. government who sent it to Patrick Leahy and Tom Daschle, who were the two senators in the week after 9-11 who were trying to block the Patriot Act. And it shut down Congress and the Patriot Act went through. And so, um, so the, the, and then they told wait, wait, us. Wait, 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 Really? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the Look, the clip goes on and... <laughs> He, he extrapolates and he, and he explains how the Patriot Act basically laid the groundwork by which bioweapons research was able to uh, continue without having removed themselves from the G Geneva Convention. It essentially gave them a blank check or a uh, you know, pardon for any federal official that, that violated those laws, those agreements. And his belief is that that is ultimately where the Wuhan Institute and NIH and NIAID and EcoHealth and Wuhan all come into play. I don't know if he's right about everything, but I just want to say, I don't want to be totally blackpilled because what we, what we are seeing right now from Vivek, who's really lifting the veil on the diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff and how dangerous it is and how um, un-American it ultimately is, you have that. And then you have RFK, who's just this fucking anvil, this sledgehammer of like conspiracy theorizing, but largely provable stuff that um, really highlights much of the you know bad actors within our government. And just keep in mind, those are two of the top four presidential candidates. It's Biden, Trump. Vivek RFK. Now, Trump, he highlights some chicanery as well. Biden obviously is the chicanery. Then you have Vivek and RFK as, as three and four that are really telling some truths that we have never in my lifetime and probably in many generations have we heard leading presidential candidates talk like this. So it's clear, it's evident to me that there is a massive market demand, which is symbolic of the underlying uh, awakening of the American people. And I, I know people get frustrated. They go, they're not awake. They're not awake. If they were awake, they'd be fucking libertarians. Okay, okay, look, they're not all the way there, but they are waking up in mass. There's a reason that a guy like RFK and a guy like Vivek are polling at 20%, right? It's not, you know, it's not just that, uh, you know, RFK is talking about the vaccine stuff. It's not just that. Because I'll tell you, that's not the main draw I have towards him. The main draw I have towards him is that he is saying completely unpermissible truths. And he does it constantly. And he sources and cites himself. He uses years. He uses history. Uh, that interview, he has a 20-minute riff on... The, the war in Ukraine, the lead up, you know, 92 follow USSR does the whole thing, does basically what I, myself or Dave Smith or any or Scott Horton or any of the people that have been studying this stuff are capable of doing. But to see a top four presidential candidate do it. Incredible. It's incredible. And keep in mind, too, Tucker Carlson, he's no longer on Fox, but he's getting more viewers over on X than he ever did on Fox. So. That's all reason for hope.
the fact that the FBI and the CDC and all these three-letter agencies were trying to censor us so aggressively over the past three years, it's all evidence to me, hard evidence, that there is an avalanche of truth that is just like just beneath the surface, that they are just like they're constantly trying to. I'm, I'm combining so many metaphors and I apologize, but they're, they're constantly trying to plug the dam and, and just the truth just keeps shooting out. And that like they plug one and two more open up. And and I think that's why Elon has been under under siege so much is that if you have one social media outlet, one major one, and I've made this point before, but if you have one major social media outlet that allows us to speak honestly, it is a fucking problem for them. It's like virtually over for them. And I have noticed this as the censorship uh, you know, veil has been lifted off of Twitter to a large extent. It has been just unbelievable, the stuff that I've been able to, to look at, to see, to hear, to read. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and this is not just like me reading it. I'm talking about seeing stuff that, you know, that clip that I just put out where he breaks down, you know, the, uh, the anthrax attacks and how it was used as a precursor for, um, the Patriot Act. Like that's information that didn't used to be very, uh, well known and certainly would have been classified as woo woo lunaticville. Well, now I put that out. It has 400,000 impressions over the past 12 hours for me. Just me, okay? You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's a shit ton of people. Uh, the clip, the clip I did about Oliver Anthony from last week, where I, I, I even read it to you guys on the show. 1.5 million impressions from me, just me. Now add to that all of the other people that are doing what I'm doing. Many of you that are listening are them. I'm, sh I'm certain. It's a fucking huge impact. It's a huge like. Do not underestimate the impact that we are having. I'm not saying on an individual level to pat myself on the back. I'm saying as the collective, as the dissident collective that we are of individualist lunatics, we are having a massive, monstrous impact. We are, we are a major thorn in their side, a serious problem. And that, unfortunately, is why they're coming after us so aggressively. But... It means that we're actually making a difference. So you take with the good, the good with the bad, right? One, we're making a difference. Good. Two, they're going to come after us. Ugh, bummer. Bad. But it doesn't matter. Truth is more important. So I'm going to keep grinding. It's Kaylee McMenemy or however you pronounce it, sitting in for Hannity. Uh, normally I wouldn't show you a clip from Hannity, but this is pretty damning. So get this, Joe Biden repeatedly refuses to comment on the Trump indictments. He insists that he has an entirely independent DOJ. Do you remember this? Mr. President, what do you say to Americans to convince them that they should trust the independence and fairness of the Justice Department when your predecessor, Donald Trump, repeatedly attacks it? Because you notice, I have never once, not one single time, suggested to the Justice Department what they should do or not do relative to bringing a charge or not bringing a charge. I'm honest. No, you're not. I'm honest. I mean, that was a little creepy, but not so quick. An April New York Times article titled Biden's response to Trump's indictment, four ways to say no comment. He's really good at that, isn't he? Well, they have this passage buried 14 paragraphs down. They always bury the really big news way deep down, as you'll notice here. Here's the quote. 
he does have opinions, he being Joe Biden. In the past, Mr. Biden privately told his close circle of advisors that Mr. Trump posed a threat to democracy, and here's the big point, and he should be prosecuted for his role in the events of January 6th. He also told confidants that he wanted Attorney General Merrick B. Garland to stop acting like a ponderous judge and to take decisive action. That is stunning. Biden privately told aides that Trump should be prosecuted for January 6th, and he wanted Merrick Garland to take decisive action? That is an explosive allegation buried in the New York Times. So, like, I don't even know if you needed to hear that to know that it's the reality. Like, come on. <laughs> of course, Biden wants to see his number one political opponent crushed. Of course he does. Does he actually believe he's a threat to democracy? I don't think so. But I do think he, he's a threat to what they mean when they say democracy, which is their just totalitarian grip on power. And he does represent a threat to that. That's for sure. But also on Tucker Carlson just a week ago, as I think I covered on Liberty Lockdown, he had uh, Tucker had on the police chief, the D.C. police chief, who makes crazy allegations as to, I mean, not even crazy. I think they're all legitimate, but he basically lays out how it was hours of him pleading for support, for backup and, and being denied at every turn. And he doesn't, he won't say it, but Tucker asks him repeatedly, you know, look, he's like, this, I'm just going to be honest with you. This sounds like a setup. And the police chief just kind of like nods. Like he's, he can't deny it. He's like, none of this makes sense. So I know I sound, I don't know, crazy, but I think I'm, I think I'm right that, uh, that there has been basically a takeover of our government that they are now basically just so desperate to hold on to power that any of the normal democratic processes are essentially veneers, illusions. And I think that uh, the false flags have been plentiful. And I think January 6th, to a large extent, given the FBI in incursion uh, or uh, infiltration into that movement, uh, was to some extent one. And you know, that paired with the, the Russian collusion case against Trump, which was obviously a you know, DC planted story and, and not just planted, but concocted and like lied about and evidence was created at, like the steel dossier, all of it. I mean, it was once again, that was essentially, you know, a false flag operation. Um, And then you have <laughs> what RFK talked about when it comes to the the methodologies that they use, which was once again false flags to try and get the Patriot Act pushed through. Like when you add all of these things up, it seems quite evident to me that for at least 25 years, we have been living in a series of false flags that appear to be endless, but always increase state power to the detriment of not just our liberties, but to the American people. And I don't know how you can argue otherwise at this point. It seems so crystal clear to me that that's, that's what it is. 25 years plus. Some, some would argue 100, but um, I'm trying to be <laughs> conservative here. 
uh, just say 25. But then you have the Wuhan cover-up, the origin story cover-up, the ma- the mandates that, that happen um, from 2020 on. All of the deception that goes into that. The cover-up of theirs. I mean, the lockdowns, how they were... They were never going to be detrimental to the economy. Oh, we can print and spend, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars. It won't won't create inflation. It does. I mean, it's just like, how much deception do you have to see before you say enough? And I know I'm I'm preaching to the choir here, and you probably are all like, we're saying enough. Why, Why do you think we listen to you, Clint? It's because we're saying enough, enough of the bullshit. But I'm just... I'm just kind of like laying out all of these and I'm doing this all off the top of my head. It's like, these are just all things that have happened that you and I know about. And I'm just kind of laying them out, not even chronologically, but just shotgunning the metal wall saying like, look at all this, look at it all. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Let's, uh, let's pivot to something more positive. In Argentina, we have a, uh, in the first round of presidential elections, it was a gentleman named Javier Malay. I think that's how you pronounce it. I hope I got it right. I'm not sure. Um, but he, he got the majority of the votes, uh, and it looks like they're going to go to a runoff in the next not too distant future. Um, and he is a avowed anarcho-capitalist that intends to end central banking in Argentina. For those that don't know, Argentina has dealt with a series of hyperinflationary periods over the recent history, including currently, where the Federal Reserve, or their their central bank, I shouldn't call it the Federal Reserve, um, their central bank has hiked the interest rates to over 100% per annum. So they are once again in a hyperinflationary period. And I guess the reason I bring it up is one, to say, wow, like there's a chance that an anarcho-capitalist, like me, (laughs) could be the president or whatever they call it of uh, of Argentina that's unbelievable but more importantly i want to implore uh you know my my non anarcho capitalists my non libertarian uh viewers and listeners to consider what that means and to offer you this you can wait until you've dealt with hyperinflation and you're starving and the government is so corrupt and you're so hopeless that you ultimately finally say okay i will give the libertarians a shot you can wait until that point because it's coming or you can do it now i don't know about you but i would like to see dramatic changes long long before i'm starving long before the hyperinflationary period strikes because as sure as i'm breathing a nation that is $32 trillion in debt and is grow 33 trillion, I think now, and is explosively growing that debt every single year with no end in sight, not including unfunded liabilities, which puts it into the, I don't even know how many terms, 11 figures, <laughs> however many it is, um, over a hundred trillion. I mean, it's like, they're never, ever, ever going to balance this budget, which means they're ultimately going to hyperinflate it away. So it's coming. It is going, it is going to happen. And almost certainly it'll be in your lifetime. So you can act now to try and stem that tide, to try and 
basically eat your vegetables before you have cancer. Or you can wait until you have cancer and then you go the chemo route and you throw up and you hope you survive it. Like, I'm the type that would like to eat my vegetables now. That's how I've always been. Even though I'm not in the best shape. <laughs> I'm in okay shape because I do eat my vegetables, guys. I do. Contrary to my chubby face. Um, so I'm encouraging you guys to, you know, give it, give it real consideration. Are you, are you ready for some veggies? Because, you know, austerity, financial austerity from the federal government ain't going to happen. They're going to, they're going to just let it, they're going to let it spiral. I, I'm 99.9% .9 certain that's going to be the, the outcome of things. So, you know, do it now or do it when you have to. It's up to you. Get out of here on two happy notes. We got Christiane Anderson, MP, I forget which country she's from. Europe, it doesn't matter. America, number one. <laughs> this whole COVID madness, this so-called pandemic, it was just a test balloon, a gigantic test balloon. Well, for what, you ask? Well, to see how far they could go, to see what exactly they would have to do to get free individuals in a free and democratic society to consent to being forced into compliance. That's what they were trying to establish. That's what they were trying to figure out. And they have, they have figured it out. Trust me, they are much smarter now. The goal ultimately is to transform our free and democratic societies um, yeah, into totalitarian societies. Their goal is to strip each and every one of us of our fundamental rights of freedom, democracy, the rule of law. They want to get rid of all of this. This whole COVID thing had never anything to do with public health. It never had anything to do with breaking waves. It always had to do with breaking people in order to make us a part of a mindless, malleable mass, which they can totally control. And we will be completely dependent upon this globalitarian elite. So I'm really imploring the people and all the peoples around the world for God's sake, stop giving your democratically elected governments the benefit of the doubt. They are not deserving of that. They are not. Stop rationalizing whatever your government is doing. Try, stop rationalizing and come up with some good intentions. They have no good intentions. <laughs> Never. As I said before, in the entire history of mankind, there has never been a political elite concerned about the well-being of regular people. And it isn't any different now. Why should it stop giving them the benefit of the doubt? Because I can tell you, you cannot comply your way out of a tyranny. It is impossible trying to do so. You will only feed a gigantic alligator in the hopes of being eaten last. But guess what? Your turn will come. And I love that lady. And 
I mean, is there a word she said that you disagree with? Especially like I, I granted I was saying this in 2020. So you guys know that my position is in alignment with what she had to say there, but assuming you weren't a listener of mine back then, or assuming you did listen to me back then and you thought I was crazy with the, the privilege of hindsight, do you still think I'm crazy? Do you still think that ratchet effect that I described all those years ago where they were just going to continue to ratchet it up and ratchet it up and until you said no, it would never stop? Was I wrong about that? Because ultimately it came down to the state of Florida and the people broadly saying enough, too far. And thank God they did. But to her point, what did they learn in that interim period? They learned exactly how far they could take it before we actually said no and meant it. I would encourage you to take that same energy from that period when the tyranny was quite overt and obvious and utilize that same energy today and every day until we actually remedy what we're facing. Because I don't think that you have many other options. It's essentially be eaten last or eaten first and hopefully we don't all get eaten and i'm i am prepared to be eaten first if need be <laughs> as you can tell as i am a public facing figure who is talking about these things that are not supposed to be discussed but essentially as you could probably imagine i have i have weighed the alternative option and decided that this path is still preferential. That the alternative is so untenable to someone like me who values freedom that I have no option but to speak out now and risk whatever may come. And I hope, I hope from the bottom of my heart, I hope that whatever inspiration you receive from this show, um, it is starting to make its way into your soul, into your lifestyle, into your outlook, into your language, into your behaviors, into your work world, into your work life, into your family life, into your personal relationships, into every single thing you do. I need you guys. I need you guys to be speaking the truth as loudly as possible. If there's one thing that kind of these Marxist government takeovers don't like. It's rebellion and truth-telling. As we've seen with the efforts to suppress, you know, any sort of semblance of rational thought and conversation when it comes to the gender issues about whether or not we're born as male or female and all this nonsense, all this kind of postmodern, uh, you know, Marxist garbage. There is, in my opinion, those are also ratchet tests where are you willing to lie to continue to be in the accepted uh, you know, class? Obviously, I have given up on being in the accepted class a long time ago. <laughs> and I'm sure, in fact, I know that a lot of you have not. That many of you message me from anonymous accounts and you say, thank you so much for speaking out. I wish I could. You can. You should. And you need to. You need to be speaking out now. It's not going to get better if you don't. It isn't enough for me and Dave and a handful of others to be doing this. 
we need everybody to be telling the truth. The only thing that snaps the American people out of this spell is truth. And if you're going to be cowardly, because that's what it is, I'm not, I'm not asking you to go public on social media when you're shit posting and saying crazy stuff. But if you can't be honest with your friends and family, there's really no excuse. Like if, if you can't be honest with your friends and family, there's no fucking way you're being honest with your people at work or any other things that actually can you know cause you harm. There's no way. So tell the truth, man. Tell the damn truth, please. Um, and then I have one more bit of really hopeful news, and I'll stop lecturing to you guys. I apologize. Continue to stay anonymous and continue not to tell your friends and family the truth. Okay, whatever. Uh, it's only fucking totalitarianism if you don't. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this is really a positive shift that's happening because of the overturning of affirmative action. This is a, a professor who focuses on DEI in college. And this is an interview, uh, just the interviewee or the interviewer. Uh, says some things that are really positive developments that I was not aware of, so I wanted to bring it to your attention. But, you know, we're noticing a very disturbing trend. It's been widely reported that there have been some high-level exits of black women from the DEI space, including Janelle English, Executive VP of Impact and Inclusion at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, Netflix's Vernon Myers, who was the company's first head of inclusion and a Bostonian, by the way, Disney's chief diversity officer, LaTondra Newton. That's just in the Hollywood uh, genre. Uh, and according to data gathered by Revealio Labs, DEI professionals are getting laid off at a higher rate than other high-level job categories. Over 300 DEI professionals departed these companies in just the last six months. What factors are triggering this trend? His answer is pathetic and stupid, so I'm not even going to play it for you, but that's a victory. That's a good thing. And it's, it sucks that all three of those ladies were black ladies. So it seems as if it's some sort of a racist thing that I'm celebrating. It's not. It's not. I, hope, I wish them great success in an industry that isn't destroying this country. Um, but, you know, DEI professionals are, fuck, they're just fucking Marxist activists. That's what they are. They've taken instead of, uh, you know, class struggle, it's racial struggle. And they have put it into the capitalist model and broken it. So the fact that they are being laid off at a, uh, a higher rate than other professions, it's, it's quite evident to me that the, uh, the Bud Light fiasco, the Disney fiasco, their war with DeSantis in Florida, uh, there's a litany of other companies that have all suffered terribly because of their DEI practices. And now because you don't have the affirmative action uh, ruling anymore, they face the potential for litigation from that end as well, as opposed to just having litigation from people who are saying, oh, you're not hiring enough minority candidates or whatever. Um, this is this is a, you know, I, I talked last or a couple days ago about how Oliver Anthony's song seemed to me to be perhaps an inflection point or a tipping point. This is evidence of another one. And it's an evidence, of, it's evidence of one in a really important thing in America, which is the business world, capitalism, actual capitalism. Like, if we can get away from that, we have a real shot again. Because I was, I was convinced a year and a half ago when I was one of the only people in the country that was talking about ESG stuff and DEI stuff, I did not think that we could turn this around that quickly. 
And granted, it's not a full victory. It's not like they're all gone now, but it's still a step in the right direction. And uh, up until six months ago, it was all steps in the wrong direction. So I just want to kind of end with some real positive news that I think most of you probably weren't privy to because I wasn't um, when I saw that I was so thrilled to hear that, you know, Disney and Netflix. I mean, like if you can start to get the DEI uh, cancer, because that's really what it is out of the media realm. Well, it'll trickle down to everything at that point, because then we can get back to more of a meritocratic system as opposed to this like this victimhood ocracy. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And and I think that that will give us a chance to actually compete in the global uh, marketplace, because, look, there's been uh, other like PMs and things from uh, I think it was Hungary. He came out and he was saying, look, Europe, like the EU was one of the, the a decade ago, I think was in fact combined a bigger GDP output than the US combined, you know, the, the, all of the EU. And now they are just falling apart. And it's because they implemented much of this stuff too. And, and some of it they implemented even more uh, sooner and more aggressively than the US. And they have, they are suffering terribly. The energy shortages, food crises, um, inflationary pressure, uh, obviously mass immigration that is causing serious cultural, uh, you know, collisions right now. So in many ways we can look to Europe, uh, to see our future and we have been following them in lockstep up until very recently. And fortunately the American people still have more of a rebellious spirit than those fucking lunatic Europeans, um, because we are still from that stock of savages that decided to sail across the Atlantic a couple hundred years ago and just be like, we're going to create a new land over here where we don't have to listen to what you fuckers had to say. <laughs> that is your heritage. That is your lineage. Let it fucking course through your veins. Feel it in your bones. Do you feel it? Do you feel that red, white, and blue? Because what it really means is fuck you. That's what we're about. Embrace it. Embrace it once again. And do not give up hope. Do not give up hope. Let the fucking rebellion of your ancestors flow through you. Let it flow. And then let them know. If you guys want to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. And if you want to... Uh, oh, by the way, I'm following back all of the people that become supporters of me over on x.com or twitter.com. If you... If you just become a subscriber for five bucks a month over there, I follow you back, which is just kind of my way of saying thank you. And um, thank you for supporting me. And what else? Go to Merch Engine, Top Lobster, my boy. He's got his entrepreneurial spirit. He's creating his own shirt company. And uh, you can pick up Liberty Lockdown shirts at toplobster.com. I think they're at Merch Engine as well, but I'm not really sure. I'm just a supportive king. You know, I'm just trying to help a homie out. And uh, yeah, Dave Smith will be on in a few days. Uh, we're still waiting to schedule, but... He has already said he's down to do it. So it's going to be him followed by Max Blumenthal. It's going to be an incredible lineup. And uh, I'll just end by saying, do not give up hope. Fucking get fired up and, uh, and have faith. Have faith. There's no way we lose to the Kareem Jean-Pierre's of the world. It's an impossibility. See you guys soon. Oh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe, share it. You know, all the things. I changed my mind. Uh, there was two other clips that I saw. <laughs>
before I was done or while I was processing that uh, I just had to show you guys. So here's Hillary Clinton on Maddow talking about the grand jury indictments in Georgia against Trump. That um, the system of democracy at its heart is the idea that the people get to decide how we are governed. And if we if we no longer believe that our will is effectuated through the system, if bad actors tell us falsely that every election is stolen and that. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you believe the fucking audacity? She's she's like one of the biggest proponents of the Russiagate hoax sitting across the table from the woman who fucking created it. Holy shit. And that the only way an election is. Uh, trustworthy as if they come, come out on top of it, um, then something it's, it, it's, it tells you something not just about that person or that moment. It maybe wounds us as a democracy in a way that is hard to repair. Mm -hmm. What do you think about how we get better? Yeah, how do you get better? Is she looking in a mirror? Is this some sort of fucking moment of introspection where she's actually thinking about... Oh my God, I have damaged this thing that I allegedly care about so much democracy by lying to the American people so aggressively during Trump's entire presidency that I, in fact, am the monster that I was attempting to slay. Is she thinking that? I don't think so, unfortunately, which is fucking crazy. Um, after the wounds that have been inflicted on us through this process. Well, I think, you know, the truth matters. Um, I think having these cases be brought and be brought in such professional manners. We'll see how they unfold. Obviously, uh, the trials, um, if there are trials. So professional. They they released. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo, they released the filing of the George indictment on their website while the uh, while they were still convening. Well, the grand jury was still convening. So, yeah, so professional, just incredible, just so professional. They're literally one of the charges against Trump is because he fucking he truthed or tweeted out. Uh, there's some hearings that are for the Georgia uh, election stuff happening over on OAN. You know, check it out. <laughs> That's one of the one of the charges against him. I mean, it's oh, oh my god. Files are going to be critically important. But the article you mentioned that I published about the weaponization of loneliness really does, in my view, point to the larger cultural concerns because the lack of trust, the divisiveness, the undermining of faith in ourselves, in each other, uh, respect for our institutions, uh, the rule of law, all of that has been deliberately inculcated within our body politic. You took hammers to your hard drives, you fucking lying monstrosity of a human being. You warmongering piece of shit. You know, there were trends before. I mean, we have seen how people have become more isolated, less community oriented, less civically minded. Then we see how social media and technology has certainly accelerated a lot of those trends. But the deliberate effort to divide Americans I just, I just, the deliberate effort, do you mean, by deliberate effort, do you mean perhaps the funding of the fucking Steele dossier, which set off a deep state coup against a sitting president, your opponent, the person who beat you in the election in 2016? Do you mean that? Do you? Why don't you mean that? You liar. You piece of shit, you. Ah! Jesus Christ. All right. 
I just I had to show you guys that because I saw it. And I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. These two, these two sit across the table and talk about how how this this is a danger to our democracy. You got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. All right, Christian Anderson had one more great rant, and uh, I, I you know I got to end you with a happy note. So I'm gonna do that because it's it's better it's a better way to live. Let's let's end happy. An unelected body like WHO, who is controlled and run by multi-billionaires, should never be allowed to act in place of a democratically elected government. Never, ever. In democracies, ladies and gentlemen, it is government of the people, by the people, for the people. And any government of anywhere in the world who disregards this fundamental principle of democracy by supporting this unprecedented power grab by WHO is an anti-democrat demonstrating nothing but his utter contempt for the people. And these seven brave citizens, they will not stand for this and neither will we. I will expose anyone, whether it's a member of a government in a member state or a government around the world or a member of parliament in the European member states or parliaments around the world who do not respect the people and do not respect democracy, I will see to it. They will be exposed, each and every one of them by name, because guess what? There's elections coming up and the people might be interested in who is responsible for the abolition of democracy. So we are here. You guys know I'm no fan of democracy, but goddamn, I love this lady. <laughs> she is she is the RFK uh, Trump hybrid of the EU. What a what a absolute savage. Like she has complete disregard for her uh, her safety. It's amazing. Today, to tell you, WHO, globalitarian misanthropists, we are here today to tell you, you picked this fight, you wanted this fight, well, guess what? You've got it. Fuck yeah. Let's fight. <laughs> yeah. Because these brave citizens, my colleagues, and I, we will not tire to fight you every step of the way. These brave seven citizens and millions and millions more around the world, these are the people you will have to reckon with from now on. Because we are millions, millions around the world. It is you that is the small French minority. <laughs> yeah. You are the ones who do not have the right to dictate to the people what they want and what they don't want. So take it from me, take it from us, take it from these seven citizens who gathered here today, take it from the millions and millions of people around the world. We will bring you down. 
and we will not tire until we have done just that. So brace yourselves. We are here and the fight is on. So let's have the fight. Let's commence with the fights. Why don't we? Thank you. <laughs> this lady's an absolute savage, man. Oh, let's go, Christian. Let's go, girl. I love it. We are many and you are few. Don't you forget it. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?